May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. And welcome to season four of Law Brief. They said it would never last, but we've made it into our fourth season. And we're going to kick it off with a bang. I am welcoming back one of my favorite guests, my partner, Robert Heim. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm doing okay, Rich. Thanks a lot for inviting me. It's my pleasure. It's always great to have you on. And we're going to talk about something today that a lot of people have heard about but may not know the details of. That is the Elon Musk versus Twitter lawsuit that is pending in Delaware. And why don't you maybe just, we'll dive right into it. Why don't you start by telling us what's in dispute? Yeah, well, this has been a very interesting saga, and it goes back all the way to April when Elon Musk made an unsolicited acquisition offer for Twitter. There was a lot of drama and news surrounding it because leading up to his announcement, he'd been very critical of Twitter, particularly its management and its performance and what he characterized as a lack of free speech on the platform. So as part of his acquisition offer, he promised to bring changes to Twitter to address those problems. And he put an offer on the table, which was $44 billion, which came out to about $54.20 per share. And he put a lot of pressure on the Twitter board to accept the offer. He at one time even said it was a take it or leave it as it was coming down to the final stages. So Twitter accepted it. The board accepted the offer and the company had agreed to be acquired by Elon Musk. And Mr. Musk had intended to take the company private and had lined up some financing apparently. But in July, just only about a few months later, Mr. Musk apparently had a change of heart, maybe some buyer's remorse, and informed the Twitter board that he was no longer going to go forward with the acquisition, claiming his main reason was that there was too many bots on the platform, too many non-human kind of spam accounts, and Twitter didn't disclose that to him. Now, let me, um, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there, Robert, because I think that gets into some of the meat of the dispute and something I want to discuss. As I understand it, one of the things Elon Musk said was his goal in buying Twitter was to clean up the bots. Yes, that's the ironic thing about his reasoning. And it's one of the issues that Twitter's lawyers has done a good job in the Delaware courts and pointing out. So yeah, you're absolutely correct. One of the reasons that Elon Musk said he was buying Twitter was to try to correct what he perceived as the bot problem. And now he's using that same excuse to try to back out of the deal. Now, I also thought from the beginning that Twitter wasn't necessarily super anxious to be acquired by Elon Musk. Didn't that seem to be the state of play at the outset? Yes, absolutely. When Elon Musk first announced his intentions, he did it in a pretty surprising way. He had come out and announced that he had acquired over 9% of Twitter's shares. And Twitter had offered him a position on the board, which he first accepted, but later changed his mind on that as well and, and declined to go on the board. And Twitter instituted some poison pill and other takeover defenses to try to fend off Elon Musk. But ultimately, the company came around and agreed to, to Elon Musk's offer. Right. And now, Elon Musk backed out and Twitter actually went to court 
to make him buy it. Is that the right way of saying it? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So Twitter went to Delaware Chancery Court, which is one of the, or if not the premier courts in the country that handles uh, corporate disputes, particularly disputes of this magnitude over mergers and acquisitions. And they sued Elon Musk. And there's only one cause of action in their lawsuit, and that's a request for specific performance. They want the judge to order Elon Musk to go forward with this merger as he agreed to in the merger agreement. Interestingly, Twitter could have taken another approach because there's a very large breakup fee in the merger agreement also, a billion dollars, if Elon Musk were to back out. But Twitter is not going that route. They're not looking for the breakup fee. They're looking to complete this deal and hold Elon Musk accountable for the agreement which you know, Elon Musk doesn't want to do because there's been a pretty significant drop in the share price of the Twitter since he announced the agreement. Right. Meaning the price he agreed to pay is in excess of the actual value of the company as it stands right now. That's right. So the per share price in the merger agreement is $54.20. And currently today, Twitter stock is only at $43.25. So it, it, it has been dropping over the months, and this would have saddled Elon Musk with pretty significant loss, at least in the short term. Okay. Let's talk a little, if you don't mind, about the procedure here, because I'm a little bit of a procedure nerd about these things. And you and I both know that commercial lawsuits in the U.S. courts uh, anywhere can go on for a very long time, but this one's going to come to a head pretty quickly. How is that happening? Yeah, so the judge in in the case has scheduled the trial, which is beginning on October 17th. There's five days allocated for the trial, which is a very quick turnaround. Twitter filed its complaint in the Delaware court back in July. Twitter wanted to go even faster. They were asking the judge for a September trial date. Elon Musk and his lawyers were looking at something in February of 2023, but the judge obviously came down closer to what Twitter wanted and and really put this on the rocket docket to have this trial. And ultimately, the judge, Judge McCormick, who is the head chancellor in Delaware and a very respected judge, will make this decision about whether Elon Musk has to go forward with the acquisition. I have a big commercial case in uh, New York State Court where we've been litigating since 2018, I think, and we just got a trial date of February 2024. But I gather Twitter argued that this is important to be decided right away because it affects the status of the company. Is that how we got to such a a rocket docket here? Yes, that's a big reason. Twitter has put forward a fairly compelling case. Elon Musk was very public about his criticisms of Twitter. His takeover bid has been uh, somewhat chaotic and disruptive to the company's operations. And importantly, in the merger agreement, there are covenants in place that Twitter has to abide by in terms of just how, how they run the company up until the, the merger is completed. They're restricted from making any sort of business decisions that are outside the ordinary course of business. So having that sort of public eye on Twitter and the kind of the constant criticism from Elon Musk and the disruption of its operations really led the judge to want to have an earlier trial date than Elon Musk wanted. Is this going to be a jury trial, by the way? This is a judge trial. So this will be essentially a court of equity, and the judge will be making the decision. Interestingly enough, in her background, the judge in in the past has ordered, in another case, 
a party to go forward with a merger that they had agreed to, which is generally considered to be um, somewhat difficult relief to get. Judges in the Delaware court, like in other places, will often look to see if there's a monetary remedy for an aggrieved party like Twitter, something like perhaps the breakup fee or another calculation of damages because ordering a party to go forward with specific performance on a contract is is an extraordinary relief, but certainly not out of the question here. Right. Fundamentally, the courts will struggle to order somebody to buy something they say they don't want to buy anymore. That is an extraordinary exercise of power. And I would think the court would look to avoid that unless there's a very compelling case. Yes, absolutely. And uh, like you mentioned, the, the judges often are reluctant to order that extraordinary relief, but Twitter put that in as their only claim. So Twitter is essentially putting all their money on that specific performance claim and then must feel they have a very strong case for it. I suppose one other possibility here is that the parties will come to some kind of agreement in advance of trial that will resolve the matter. Do you think that's on the table? Yes, Rich. It's a very good point, too, because what we've seen this week has been a lot of sparring among the parties over preliminary issues like discovery. And so the court just had a hearing the other day to hear various discovery related disputes, notably, some of it was related to Elon Musk's use of messaging apps like Signal that are cryptid and and hard to preserve evidence. But one of the things that came out in this hearing process is that the depositions for Elon Musk and the Twitter CEO, Parag Agarwal, were both scheduled to take place a few days ago. But by mutual consent of the parties, they were rescheduled to a future date, which has led a lot of people to speculate that perhaps there is some behind-the-scenes settlement talks going on to see if the parties can come up with a resolution at this October 17th date. Yeah, commercial cases have a natural ebb and flow. And one of the time periods that's highly susceptible of settlement is right before the bigwigs have to be deposed. And then another one is typically right before trial. Yes, that's right. And kind of considering that we're only a little over two weeks out from the trial date, I would think that there's going to be some pretty significant settlement talks. At least, you know, it's common for parties to to discuss it. They may not ultimately arrive there, but certainly this would be the time for them to try to reach an agreement ahead of this trial date. Do you care to prognosticate? Where do you think this is going? Uh, Well, you know, my personal opinion is I think Twitter has a stronger argument here. There is a, a merger agreement in place. Twitter did negotiate some fairly narrow circumstances, which could allow Elon Musk to back out of the deal, which are known as material adverse effect clauses, but none of those apply here. And Elon Musk is not trying to rely on that. And, you know, as we noted before, the argument about the bots was something that, you know, Elon Musk was certainly tuned into before he signed the agreement. So I I think Elon Musk has some real riskier if he does go forward with this trial of being ordered to to move forward with the agreement that he signed. I find the whole thing also fascinating because Elon Musk has such an interesting history with Twitter. He's gotten in trouble in the past for things he's tweeted. He's been very outspoken on Twitter. And he's even tweeted about this dispute with Twitter on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, it is very ironic because Elon Musk is a very uh, prolific user of Twitter. Oftentimes, his tweets are also funny and humorous and 
relate to the case. And like you said, Elon Musk previously had a settlement with the SEC a few years back relating to his tweets about Tesla. And now here we are again in the Delaware Chancery Court where the lawyers are fighting over messages that Elon Musk sent to other people and whether they were properly preserved. So yeah, Elon Musk has had a history of of problems with either tweeting or messaging apps. And that seems to be continuing in this litigation also. All right. So Robert, you've been on with us a few times, but I always give our guests an opportunity to tell a little bit about their practice. Do you want to remind the listeners how you might be of service? Oh, absolutely. I'm co-chair here at Tartar Krinsky of the White Collar and Regulatory Enforcement Group. And in my uh, personal practice, I do a lot of SEC-related work in terms of investigations and enforcement actions representing corporations and individuals in these types of regulatory investigations. I was formerly the assistant regional director of the SEC's New York office in the enforcement division. So I've been practicing in that area for over 20 years, and we've built up a very active practice at Tartar Krinsky in that white collar and regulatory enforcement group. Absolutely. Robert is one of our not-so-secret weapons, one of the smartest guys in the firm. He won't tell you that, but I will, and I'm always glad to have him here. So, Robert, we're going to keep an eye on this trial, and we may have you back in a few weeks as this matter resolves or even goes to trial to talk a little bit more about it. that be okay? Absolutely, Rich. Always enjoy coming back to talk about that. All right. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. All right. So we'll keep an eye on Elon Musk and Twitter. I just wanted to say a couple other things as we start out the fourth season of this podcast. And really, that is to thank my law firm, Tartar, Krinsky, and Drogan, that produces this podcast and has been really supportive of the endeavor from the beginning, the firm, and in particular, our managing partner, Alan Tartar, who encouraged this endeavor and has also been very supportive of me. Some of you may have seen I've been making the rounds as a legal analyst on the Law and Crime Network, on Court TV, and some other places. And whether you like it or not, you now have a lot of opportunities to see me on TV. Again, all because of the great support I get here at this law firm, which I am extremely grateful for. Speaking of Twitter, You can follow me under the handle at Lawful Riches. You can follow me on Instagram with the same handle at Lawful Riches. You may like or not like that handle, but at least you do not have to spell Schoenstein. Thanks again for listening. It will be our effort this season to keep you updated on legal issues that are out there in the news and of interest, both major and minor. We'll see what topics develop as we go forward, and we look forward to talking to you more. Thank you for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should engage a lawyer of your own choosing. Tartar Krinsky and Drogan is a mid-sized, full-service law firm located in New York with offices in New Jersey and Los Angeles. You can see more about us at tartarkrinsky.com. You can contact us at the email address podcast at tartarkrinsky.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Lawful Riches. 
I know it's a little bit silly, but at least you don't have to spell Schoenstein. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and we are adjourned.